You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Tierney, welcome to Real Faith Stories. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you shared with me prior to this conversation, one of your biggest lessons from your own story that you think can help others is this. I'm just going to read this. The biggest lesson I've learned and what God's using to help others through me is that God can 828 anything, referring, of course, to Romans 828, meaning he wastes nothing, no pain, no mistake, no suffering. If we let God direct our path, whatever we've walked through is something he can use to bless someone else's life. And you're not saying that in any way, shape, or form in an offhanded way. You have experienced that, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm sure people listening are, what did she experience? So if you could please share some of your backstory and then what you went through in order to get to that place where now you're helping others, would love to hear that. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and we went to church. It was all about checking the boxes. It was a religion. I didn't really know much about having a relationship with Jesus until I went to a youth camp in high school. And that's when I really understood and invited Jesus in. I was still working through so many things and uh, still am to this day, just about where my identity was placed. I was going back and forth between trying to do all the things that I was supposed to do and placing my identity and my achievements of being the good student and going to college and getting the career and all those things. And also with the relationships that I was in, that was a lot of what I had to overcome in placing my identity in Christ, where it belongs, versus all these other things in the world. When I first became a Christian, I was on fire. I was doing all the things. And sadly, I just did not stay the course there for a while. I got in a relationship, really shifted my identity back into that Mm -hmm. instead of the relationship where it belongs. I went down a really dark path for that and was really far from God for a long time, even though. I was making all these choices, and I was beginning to start down a very long and winding journey with mental health struggles. I can see now, looking back, that he always had his hand in it. There's so many times where I say I shouldn't even be here. Decisions I was making and obviously skipping over a ton of stuff just to speak to that verse is I can look back now and say he used every single one of those mistakes, every single one of the struggles, the challenges. When I finally came back to him and rooted my identity in where it belonged, now I'm able to then use those to help other people. Specifically, Going back to what actually happened, you did share with me that you Mm -hmm. battled severe postpartum depression and also a diagnosis of bipolar 2 disorder. And this isn't something I lightly share, but I know Mm -hmm. it's the crux of your story, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. When I started to really share just openly about that, that's really when God started to transform it. Because 
so many people experience that, especially with the postpartum depression and really anything in the mental health space. There's so much, I feel like, stigma around that even now. I feel like we've come a long way, but there's a lot of shame involved in that, especially with the severe postpartum depression. I was spiraling to the point of suicide. When you hear postpartum depression, I think a lot of people think, well, get over it. Yep. I mean, seriously, I think that's a lot of people's attitude if they're men and surely if women have experienced it, that's not at all their attitude. Yeah. And what's interesting is with my first two kids, I experienced it, but I was still in denial. You know, I would fill out a questionnaire and I would fill out what I was supposed to be feeling, not mm. what I was actually feeling. And you know, my third, it was so severe and so many well-meaning people too, even if they're not saying just get over it, they just don't understand. You know, comments like, oh, but you have this beautiful, healthy baby. You know, what could you possibly be sad about that just adds to it? Then that's the voice of the enemy that's in your head too, saying, can't you just do this on your own and be happy that you have a baby and just so many thoughts that spiral and, and keep you in isolation and keep you from talking to people about it. So what was it that led you out of that severe postpartum depression? You mentioned that you started to just share it and that started to bring healing. Yes, absolutely. So it's interesting because I had been having the symptoms, uh, you know, of severe depression and then, you know, massive mood swings, highs and lows and things like that, that I just kind of self diagnosed and self-medicated for many years, almost 20 years in all honesty. It started in my late teens, uh, early 20s, and I was 36 by the time I finally went in and got help because I was literally composing letters to my children, how they were going to be okay without me. And that scared me wow. enough to think that I was that low that I thought my family was better off without me. So it was definitely a journey before I started talking about it, but I had had such a long time of mental health struggles and realizing that first getting the help that I needed. And, you know, I was going the traditional route of medication and therapy and things like that. But when I finally then realized that was just all managing symptoms and it had a place, you know, I'm not knocking medication. I just don't feel like it's something we need to be on for the rest of our lives. God is the only one who can do that ultimate healing. You'll hear me say I have a diagnosis of bipolar 2 disorder, but I'll never say I am or I have, you know, because I just don't claim that as a label. And I think that's kind of part of the mental health world is that people claim those and then it becomes an identity. And I didn't want that. So in order to move forward and really start to heal, this was before I really came back into my faith, I had to just start sharing it openly. And then there was just an outpouring of so many people have experienced similar things and it gave them permission to be vulnerable too. So in what ways and with whom did you initially start sharing this with? I'm curious. I really started doing it on social media. It's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, it was really kind of a precursor to what I'm doing now. I started a Facebook group and, you know, I thought I was going to be helping women with mental health. I was just putting posts out there. I would get messages from so many people saying, oh, either I have this too, or I have something similar. And thank you for sharing it so boldly and just putting it out there so that we can release the shame of it. Because that's really what was keeping me stuck. There's a whole nother component here. It's shame-based. Oh, yes. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about that. Explain that and then explain how one gets out of that shame-based thinking. Oh, yes. <laughs> it has been it has been an adventure. I mean, that is the root of it. I mean, that's one of the enemy's most used tactics, right? Is to keep us in shame because the difference is rather than there's something wrong and I can get the help I need, I can take this to God, I can let him do the work. Whereas the shame says there's something wrong with you and you'll never get over this. That's like the narrative. Something's broken in you. Exactly. And it's okay that we feel broken, but we don't want to stay there. Yeah. And to start talking about what we're going through because we're not alone. I mean, that's so biblical. You're mm-hmm. confessing this and it does something super powerfully in releasing this out of you and also drawing people in because of your vulnerability to express the same. It's healing all around. It's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. And then I went on, you know, like I said, I was leaning towards people with their mental health and I was kind of struggling with the incorporating my faith. You know, I was kind of coming back to where I started when I first became a Christian and trying to do this other thing. I actually got certified as a mentally strong coach. I was going to do this whole mental health program and God had other plans. He was really using that as a learning experience, kind of a launching pad and coming back, like I said, to my faith and starting to use that as the ultimate healer of all this. That's really what changed it all. Let's talk about that. What was one of the catalysts as you started to come back to your faith, as you said, what do you remember as a critical moment where things really started to gel with respect to your faith being connected to this group of people that you are helping? One of the big, huge changes is Just a few years ago, five or six years ago, we picked up our family, moved across the country from the Midwest to Arizona, and we got connected into a church that we were no longer just kind of going through the motions. We were really starting to get involved and our kids were getting involved. And through my mental health journey, my husband had really gone deep into his faith. It was kind of coming together as a family and really getting connected into that church community. And it actually started with our oldest child. Like he went to camp and decided to get baptized. Then our daughter went to camp and decided to get baptized. Then my husband decided to get baptized. And then I still had that kind of hanging over my head. You know, the enemy was still trying to use that shame of, well, you know, you're not you're not there yet. That whole myth of we think we have to get it all together before we come to Christ. And No, I was working on that relationship. I still was hesitating getting baptized as an adult. We were all baptized as babies way back when, but making that choice and making that outward decision to do that, that was a huge turning point. I was 40 years old when I decided to get baptized and go all in. So what happened after that? What were some of the signposts with respect to that shift in your life? So I was telling you before we got on here, one of the huge leaps of faith we took recently was selling our house. That first house that we absolutely loved when we first came out to Arizona, it was like our dream house. And God was calling both my husband and I into entrepreneurship at the same time. So we decided to sell that house and move into a rental to start walking in those callings, building a community and helping women to step into their own callings. And he was starting Christian life coaching. And we moved into this rental and he was going around and anointing 
our house with oil and praying over it. And he came up to me and asked if he could anoint me and pray over me. And he did. And that was the last day I ever took another medication. (laughs) And I had weaned down very slowly and I got to a certain point and I was still afraid. Even with how far I had come, I was still afraid to take that final step to not have that tiny little bit of medication. Like I was afraid to give it over to God, really. So that was a huge milestone for sure. I've been off all medication for over a year now. And I truly just attribute that to God doing that final step of healing. So after your husband prayed and anointed you, did you feel all of a sudden you're like, I'm making this decision? Did you have a sense in your spirit about that? Do you recall? Oh, absolutely. Like it was claiming full healing. In the mental health space, there's so many labels that we put on, whether it's anxiety or depression or the bipolar two or any of those diagnoses that you can receive. And I just decided that that was not going to be part of my identity. So since then, and previous to that, you said the Lord has been 828-ing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about that. This is clearly one of your major focal points when you help other women, I would assume, is, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to understand As a believer, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love them and are called according to his purpose. So as I was stepping into that, God kept bringing that verse into my life in so many just different ways. It was in a random TV show, and then it was in a sermon, and then it would pop up on the devotional on the Bible app, and and then it was on a podcast, and it was just this common theme of he's taking all that brokenness and using it for good. So I just started using that as a verb, really. It's like, it doesn't matter what you did in your past or what you've been through, what you're walking through right now. He's going to use it all. And the key is that we have to turn it over to him. Like we have to surrender it to him. And that includes releasing the shame around it, whatever it was that made you get to that point of just feeling so broken. And that's an easy thing to say, but (laughs) people listening to this are thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to be free from the shame and all the attendant baggage of X, fill in the blank. How would you counsel somebody or mentor somebody to do that? So basically I came up with this framework. It had seven pillars that I thought I was coming up with a coaching program. Mm-hmm. God had other ideas. <laughs> but <laughs> what I realized is it was like, as I was trying to look for verses that would represent each of these pillars, God was just like, faith can't be a pillar. It has to be the foundation. So faith became the foundation based on Matthew seven twenty four. We build our life on the rock, put these into practice and live it out. And they were the pillars of family, freedom, finances, farmaceuticals, which is farm with an F, my little play on words for like plants and fitness, food and fun, because they were just all the different components of life and whole person wellness and wholeness. So I just started coming up with this framework and using that in my own life of how to root each of those in my identity in Christ and to honor God and sharing with this community and bringing people together. We meet monthly locally right now just to help everyone discover what's inside them and what that calling is that God has on their life and to use these different pillars 
to then start living that out boldly. Share those seven pillars again, if you would, please. Faith is a foundation, and then it's family, freedom, finances, pharmaceuticals, and fitness, food, and fun. I'm just going to key in on pharmaceuticals. Let's talk about that. Why is that an important piece of freedom? And I think you mean maybe freedom from, but explain that, please. So that's the component of the different things that we put in our body. Like God gave us all these plants for medicine. I mean, that's biblical. And we have gotten as a society where we just want to take a pill and mask whatever symptoms we're dealing with. It's not how he intended it. They alter our mind. They have so many different side effects. And as I learned through my own journey that people with a diagnosis of bipolar 2 disorder are on average taking five to six medications. Wow. And, you know, I heard just horror stories of people who are just so much worse off on medication because they're on this crazy cocktail of all these different ones that have side effects, have interactions. And what I experienced even just being on one is the cognitive aspect of it. Like so many people say they feel like so out of focus. I felt like I was living outside, like kind of watching my life happen. You almost feel like this zombie. I didn't want that for people. And I discovered different plant medicines that worked for me, worked for so many other people and wanted that to be a component, God's plants, God's medicine over man's toxic chemicals to truly heal our bodies the way he intended. Because really, I feel like our bodies were designed, he made them to heal anything. And really just a matter of the choices of what we put in and on and around our bodies and our minds. Of these seven components, which do you find yourself zeroing in on the most? Is there one or two? They all need to be there. The key is tying them all back to that foundation of faith. That was the biggest shift because I was looking at these different pillars and, you know, I was getting really big into the personal growth and development world. And that was the missing piece. Yes, it's so great to focus on healthy relationships in your family and having a good fitness routine, you know, incorporating fun into your life, whatever that is, but it was leaving God out. I just think of Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things, all of them will be added to us. You'd probably agree. It's so easy to do the self-development thing, to do all these other things, but stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to seek you first, no Mm -hmm. matter what. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You created me. You know the answers. And just be quiet before him and listen, cry out to him, get on your face before him. I totally see this as you're sharing it with me. Without that foundation of seeking first the kingdom of God, None of this works, does it? I mean, it can only take you so far. And the funny thing is, is all the principles, you know, in the self-help, in, you know, personal development, all that, they really are biblical principles. They've left out the source. I love what Shea Bynes says. God is the source. Everyone and everything else is a resource, right? Absolutely. As you survey where things are right now in your lives, you've made some bold steps. What's the Lord inviting you into? And what's he inviting your husband into right now? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. It's been exciting and very scary, (laughs) but just inviting us into obedience and faith. And, you know, our biggest challenge is trusting him for provision in this period, for sure. He's called me into hosting a big 
annual event. So I'm right in the thick of that, you know, and he's called my husband into really the one-on-one coaching and expanding a little bit to group coaching and public speaking. So it's kind of, you know, we're kind of similar things, but very different ways we're doing them for sure that are very much tailored to our own spiritual gifts. (laughs) I found out very quickly that the one-on-one coaching thing was not for me. So it's really just seeking him first for the direction for that next step in the path and letting go of my need to want to know the whole path ahead. (laughs) Oh, you're not alone. Yeah. So, Because he's given me a huge vision. I'm definitely a visionary, a big dreamer, all those things. But he gave me the message to start small as well. It's just been that radical obedience to the next step. And that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. The scripture says the word is a light to my path. You know, it's not that great a light on the path, is it? It's like a step. At a time, just like you said. It's like, Lord, could you just turn the sun on here and let me see the whole path? And he laughs, says, I love you. No, it's a process. And it's funny, too, because I do feel like he's given me a big vision, like he's shown it to me. But the how and the timing of all of that, I have no idea. (laughs) So, oh, yeah, just that daily surrender. Yeah, and where's the faith if you knew it all anyway? It doesn't require (laughs) faith. Tell us about this event you're coming up with. I think it's coming up in February, right? It is. Yes. Oh, my goodness. February 17th. This has just been a vision that I started writing down when I was at another personal growth conference. I lived my whole life saying I hate public speaking and cannot talk in front of people. Don't say God doesn't have a sense of humor. (laughs) I'm literally hosting an event and host a community that meets every single month and is usually me speaking in front of them. So yes, he has definitely been developing me in that area, but I just love the power of people coming together for an immersive experience to grow and learn. The whole concept is elevate our faith. We want to go deeper in that relationship and surrendering and walking in obedience and discovering our callings and really truly stepping into those and cultivate the connections with other Christ-centered women. It is a women's event, but it's just going to have a component of each of those pillars and all centered on faith. What's it called? What's the web address? So it's Live Bold Retreat. And BOLD is an acronym for Brave, Obedient, Loyal, and Determined. This is February 17th, and where is it located? It is in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And what's the URL? It's actually my personal website, which is tyrannysherelle.com, and then it's a tab within that Live Bold Retreat 2024. It's also on Eventbrite, and it's on Elevated Events. Okay. I'll have that in the show notes as we finish here. I would love for you to pray for our listeners, Tierney. Absolutely. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for the opportunity to just share more about what you've brought me through and how you are our ultimate healer. And I just pray for anybody listening who right now is going through something that they feel broken. They feel lost. They feel far from you. They feel shame and isolated like they can't admit what they're going through, whether it has to do with mental health or anything else. And whatever it is that the enemy is trying to use to keep them locked in a prison of shame, be with them. Let them know they can come to you, that there's no 
shame, no condemnation with you, and that you will wrap them up with your strength, with your love, and just allow them to know that it's okay to talk about it. They're not alone. They always have you there with them, and they have so many people who are going through similar things that just want to walk alongside them and help them to get to where they can say that they are fully healed. And we just want them to know that they can throw it all down at the foot of the cross. We just praise you so much for that grace and mercy that you have for all of us. Thank you so much for this connection here. And I just pray that this message gets out to whoever it needs to help so that they can live out and become who you created them to be. And just help us to continue to seek you first and walk in obedience to that next step, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tierney. So appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.